uh, true, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, true versus false conversion, right? What is a true conversion? What is a false conversion? If you missed it, uh, go back online and watch, uh, watch, watch the, you know, to, so you can catch up. But, but I want to say this to you. Um, we've been talking about that the believer, the true convert, begins to bear fruit. And I wanted to back that thing up and give you a definition right here of what, what do we mean by fruit. The Bible illustrates us as branches on a tree. Um, you know, we are the branches. Uh, you know, Jesus said, I am the vine. Um, you are the branches. All right? All right? And so um, I wanted to under want you to understand the, the picture illustration here that a true convert bears fruit. Uh, and so the question is, what would it be like to have a fruitful Christian life, right? So we already know the nine fruits of the Spirit, right? But we also need to understand that the Bible tells us that there's, in essence, a, an illustration, if you would, that the life of the believer, no matter how difficult it may be at times, we ought, we ought to be, fruitful. Uh, think about this. You have believers. Remember, we're trying to distinguish between a true conversion and a false conversion. And what we're saying is that if you're not bearing fruit, you know, the, the fruit of your life. So think about fruit for a minute. When you think about fruit, what, what, when you think about fruit, what happens? I have a pear tree in my backyard right now that's growing. And it's crazy, right now, it ain't producing nothing. It's just started growing. So I'm just watching it, watering it, you know what I mean, nurturing it, right? You know, as a, as a, so this is why we got to be careful when we say, you know, true conversion versus false conversion. The only way I can tell whether or not, <laughs> amen, it's going to be a fruitful tree, I have to wait till it what? Ah, so, so, so what happens in the Christian life is sometimes people in the process of growing, mm -hmm, they become stagnated in growing. You, you follow me? So you can't say whether they, you know, well, that's a true convert or not until you see the fruits of their life. Are you with me? And oftentimes, there are times in our Christian life where the fruit don't taste right from our lives. You know, where, where the fruit is supposed to be sweet, it's bitter. Because you're going through valleys. You're going through trials. You're going through testing. You're going through, some of us, we're going through pruning. Because remember, after the fruitful season comes the pruning season. Why is it necessary to prune? Because the only way for you to produce more is that you got to go through the pain of cutting off the old branches. Remember this. It's good to want to, you know, the good old days. Y'all remember that? The good old days, right? I remember when, when church was, you know, man, listen, uh, the good old days. 
But we have come now to a time where that whole, that whole, that whole mindset has changed, right? We can't live this new life. Jesus said you can't put new wine. Let me help you out. Maybe that would be illustrated a little bit better. <laughs> you can't put new wine in old wineskin. Why? The purity of it will burst the wineskin. You understand what I'm saying? So Jesus said, hey, you got to, you can't do that. And, and so in fruitfulness, I'm talking about fruitfulness, and I talked about two fruits so far, right? I talked about the fruit of what? Repentance. Um, I, I talked about the fruit, I'm actually three. I talked about the fruit of reconciliation. Remember that? So, so when you are saved, you want to go back and say to people that you and come on somebody, that you done had some stuff with, you got to say, you know, it's something about when, when you have the new life, when you've been graced with the new life, that you, it's, it's almost like an obligation. It's almost like a, something you have to do because you can't sleep at night. You have to go back and reconcile with some people which is a beautiful thing because the Bible says we now have the ministry of reconciliation. In the Christian life, you should hold short accounts. You know what I'm saying? That means that, that's a true convert. A true convert doesn't take everything, watch this, as if it's a negative. Are you with me? So, so you reconcile with those that, you know, that you feel like you've been, you know, that you've had something with. Then the other thing is, a characteristic of a true convert is remembering. And boy, we dealt with that thing last week, didn't we? That Psalm 106 just did me in. It did me in, y'all, because I, I just saw it so clearly, the children of Israel. And I told you that forgetting leads to unbelief. I told you that forgetting makes you do foolish things. Did I tell you that? I told you that, for, did I tell you that forgetting ignites God's anger? I didn't tell you that. It does. Amen. So, Psalm 106, I ain't going there again. I ain't going there today. 21, 23, okay, verse 21, 23 is, is where God gets angry. Okay, God does get angry. All right? But here's the thing real quick. Let, let me show you something. Go to Matthew chapter 6, 6, 7. And, and, and I want to show you something about fruitfulness and bearing these fruits. And I got, I'm going on to the next, to the next fruit, but, but the next fruit is, going, is really good. You know, Psalm 100, that's how you have church. Shout joyfully for the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with, come on somebody. That's how you have church. See, the contemporary church today don't understand. Psalm 100 is how you have church. And, and I believe that the fruit, and I'm going to go there in a second. The, 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 the next fruit, I'm going to give it to you. The next fruit is gratitude. Not just remembering, but the fruit of what? Gratitude. And we're going to talk about that here in a few seconds, okay? It says here in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 7. And boy, if you if you have if you didn't hear Sunday message about judging, then you you go listen to it. 
I did two messages on that. Some of us feel uncomfortable in church, but it ain't the people around you. Uh, look what it says, verse 15. It says what? Beware of what? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-huh. You will know them. You will know them. And people tell me things all the time. Pastor, I'm a good person. I'm a, you know, I'm a happy person. You know, I, I'm cool with everybody. You know, fruit. Why does the Bible use that word fruit all the time? Because it is equivalent to what the Bible and consistent to what the Bible says about every believer here. That you and I are connected to the tree, to the vine. That when you got saved, you and I were grafted into what Israel had. Okay? What the children of Israel had, we now possess. This is why it's so important to understand so great a salvation. That 133 things happened to you and I at the day that we confessed the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when we were baptized, amen, it was an outward expression of what had really happened on the inside. But there are some people that go down a dry devil and come up a wet devil. Are you with me? They do. They do. They go down with the old life, and they come right back up with the old life. <laughs> Amen. And I've seen that in my life. I never thought I would see that in my life, but here's the thing. It is true. That's why you and I have to be genuine about our belief. Don't take for granted your salvation. Don't take for granted the sanctification process. God, in his infinite wisdom and his love for mankind, he saw fit to save us. And what a mighty God we serve. But here's the thing. He says they're ravenous wolves. Who will, you will know them by the what? By their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? In other words, you can't get a pear from an apple tree. You can't get an orange from a, from a grapevine. And oftentimes, before you make a distinction between who's who, check the fruit. Check the fruit of their language. Check the fruit of their lips. You may want to write that down. Check the fruit of their living. What's the first one? Language. If all they do is cuss every three words. Ooh, sorry. Ooh. I mean say that. No, you meant to say that. It was just in your heart, see? You just, the mouth speaketh what's in the heart. And I'm not saying that cursing doesn't make you saved, but I'm just saying some people, God had to deliver me. You understand? Some people just ain't delivered yet. That's the beautiful thing about the Christian life. But if after 5, 15, 20 years you still cussing as a Christian, something be wrong. Fruit. 
fruit. Watch this. What did I say? The fruit of their lips? Fruit of the, what did I say? Fruit of the language? Fruit of their lips? All right, and you ready? Fruit of what they listen to. Okay. Let me tell you something. What you listen to affects what's going on right here. Amen. What you listen to and who you listen to affects the heart. You got to watch the fruit. Amen. That's why you got to be careful with your kids on them video games, right? They're playing these video games. And listen, they got music playing in the background. It's cussing music. Do you not know that they are strategically designed to do it that way? Do you not know that Satan was the music producer in heaven? Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that he was the, one of the chief cherubims? Do you not know that his job was to open up worship in heaven? Did y'all know that? And so he got a lock on the music industry. And he knows how, amen, to get to us. Are you with me? So, so look what he said. He said, he said, so every good tree bears what kind of fruit? But the bad tree bears what? Now, this is the part that you got to check out. Verse 18. He says, a good tree. Cannot. Impossible. Impossible for a good tree. You could tell. Don't, don't be so quick to say, oh, he's a good person. Sit back. Learn to what? And what are you looking for? The fruit of their what? When I hang out with people, like when I go hang out with people, right? I just, uh, if I get in that car or something like that, I sit back and I, I already know what the, the station is on, right? And I listen. Oh, okay. <laughs> you already know what, whatever's in your car, what you listen to. And if you pump that stuff in your spirit all day long, it becomes part of you. So I pay attention to the fruit of what they're listening to. You know, if I, some people cause getting, oh, they listen to 89.3. Or they listen to a sermon. Or they listen to a message from you. You know, you know, that type of stuff. And today, it's so deep that we have access in lightning speed now. It used to be you have to wait till you get to your car to get to the CD. Now, you don't. you just turn your, 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 your phone on and put it in your pocket. <laughs> you got your headphones on. Isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient? Right? And, and, and so he says, he says, he says, every tree, he said, look, first of all, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Nor can a bad tree produce what? You're like, why is this person like this? Why won't they change? But look, they're in church. It's impossible for them to produce good fruit. All right? And so you got to pay attention to fruit. He says, every tree that does not what? Hmm? Good fruit. What does he do? Cut it down. 
and thrown where? Verse 20. So then you will know them. True convert. Remembers? Reconciles? Come on, somebody. Uh, what else did I say? Repents? But it shows gratitude. You can tell them by their fruit. But here's the kicker to this chapter. Look at verse 21. My, 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 my. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the what? The will. What is the will of my father? You know the Lord's Prayer, right? Not my will, but your will be done. What is the will of the father? That none should perish, that all shall be saved. So if it's God's will for none to perish and none and none to be destroyed and his will is for all to be saved, then what is our responsibility? <laughs> our responsibility is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those who are not saved. Amen? But watch this. He says, but there are some who are going around saying, Lord, Lord, very loudly. And you think they're saved. You think they're really, really saved, okay? You think like, man, these people are saved. They got to be saved. But watch the text. Watch the text. Text says, look what text says. Um, um, he says, uh, who will, <clears throat> it says, but he who does the will of the Father who's in heaven will enter. My goodness. Watch what he says in verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. This is the part that's so scary to me about conversion, about fruit. Remember, it's in the context of fruit, right? But, but remember what verse 15 says. Beware of what? False prophets who, who come to you what? Right. And then when you read 22, he's talking about the same people because it's in context. Okay, it's in the same context. And then he says what? He says, many will say to me on that day. What, what day is that? What, what day is that? The day of what? The day of, of, of judgment, the day of Christ's return. See, I want to tell you, he's coming back, y'all. And, and right now we're living closer to that time. We don't know when. We don't know how. But you better be ready. Perhaps today, right? But watch this sec. Watch the text. Text says, uh, many would say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? The, the key thing here is they prophesied. That word prophesy means to preach. That's what it means. It means to foretell. Okay? And, and that's what it really means. It means that word there, it means to foretell what's from the word. And I believe that there are some people 
who are genuinely prophesying. And I believe that there are some who are prophesying. Can I get an amen? But you got to remember this, okay? Watch, this is something that I need to reveal to you. I'm trying to open up something here for you to see it. Watch this. There are some who are actually doing this. They're prophesying in his name. But watch this. They don't believe what they're prophesying. They don't believe it 100%. But they have a swag about them that draws a magnetism that draws people to them. So people are drawn to that kind of stuff. And they are, watch this, watch this. Just because you see the fruit of attendance, the fruit of praise and worship where it says, oh, everybody's just falling down the ground, you know. Oh, I sense the presence of God. The only person that knows whether or not that person is actually prophesying is God and that person. But watch this. He says, in that day, there will be a revealing of these people. Now, I'm trying to help you with something because you got to understand that just like there are false converts, there are false preachers. You got to hear me really, really good on this one. Not only are there false preachers, they're false teachers. They're people who are telling you things and they're actually imitating things that make you think, man, that's real. That's got to be real. He knew my name. I didn't even tell him my name. Well, let me give you some insight. Satan is real. And, and if Satan can keep that person in a state of confusion and in a state of uh, demonic teachings and, 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 and bent on prosperity and all these other things, then he has done his job. Watch this. Watch the text. text says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we not um, prophesy in your name? They're using the name of Jesus. They use it. How many people under those ministries got saved but never got saved? They never really were saved. They prophesied in his name, and he says, look what he says. He says, I prophesied in your name, and in your name. See, here's the thing you got to understand. Paul says whether they do it in pretense or in truth, Christ is revealed. So even though that person may be false, Christ's name still got power. <laughs> See? Even though they were doing it for sordid gain, maybe they were doing it for prosperity, or maybe they were doing it for popularity, or maybe they were doing it for promotion, or whatever the case may be, you got to ask a question when you stand in this pulpit, why are you doing it? What's the point? What's the point of me? What's my reasoning for standing here every week? What's my purpose? See, 
And if you can't clearly have a clear understanding of what that is, then you need to step aside and let somebody else do it so that you will not lead people to have the same kind of faith that you have. See? They prophesied in his name. They cast out demons in his name. Look at what it says. And in your name performed what? Miracles. That is very, very interesting to me. See why it's so hard to tell who's converted and who's not? But Jesus told us how. How? Check the fruit. Check the what? The fruit. Because sometimes, you know, you know, you ever pick a fruit from a tree, you ever go to well, some of you don't know that, but you go to the, the uh you go to Aldi's or you go to Kroger or something like that, and you pick up a bag of oranges, right? Especially Kroger, man. You pick up you pick up <laughs> you pick, Oh Lord, they're gonna sue me. <laughs> uh you pick up a, a bag of apples and the top four look good. You ever been there? You get home, you put it, you're like, dang, what happened? You understand? It's rotten. It's been sitting in that bag. You understand? So, so the fruit has to be tested and tasted. I'm going to say it one more time. The fruit has to be tested and what? Tasted. To see whether or not it is genuine. He says, look what he says. Watch what he says. He says, uh, did we not cast out demons in your name? Yep, we did that. Did we not do miracles? Yep. But look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, and then I will declare to them, man, can you imagine? Can you imagine I stood here for 16 years and did this? And then God said to me, man, I don't even know you. Can you imagine you saying you're a Christian by name only? And then he says to you, I don't even know you. See, that's the danger of not having a true conversion. And, and the reason why the Lord had me to back it up right here is because who you sit under, come on, y'all. We got a lot of jailhouse preachers. We have a lot of stay-at-home preachers. We have preachers who think they're the priests of their homes, but they don't know nothing about the word of God. Okay, you have a lot of bootleg preachers. You have a lot of YouTube preachers. You have a lot, oh, oh, not Facebook. Oh, not Snapchat. Not, not, not TikTok. Oh, that little short message. And you're saying, like, the world loves it. It's, it's what they love. But can you imagine living your whole life and then that day comes when you stand before God he said I don't even know you 
Man, that would be a what? That would be a tragedy, right? So this is why the Lord had me to teach you to learn how to identify what true conversion versus false conversion look like. This is a false conversion. See, a false conversion leads people to use the name of God, prophesy in the name of God, cast out demons. They were doing the miracles. And you know what? You know what? They were doing it in his name. Remember what I told you? The name of Christ is, is powerful. But, but what was the difference, though? Well, why? It was happening. But their heart wasn't in that. They didn't believe it because they didn't really know him. And they thought that ministry was just based on casting out demons, performing miracles, and shouting. All right? Now, let's go to the fruit. I have one more, though. Well, let's go to verse 24, just, just, just to be safe. I got a few minutes. I'm pacing myself tonight. Look at me pacing myself. <laughs> Therefore, here's, here's, here's a true convert. Boy, some of us, boy, we so hard to hear. <laughs> we be listening, <laughs> but we don't be hearing. <laughs> Amen. It takes us a long time to get it. Look, he said, therefore, everyone, therefore, what's the therefore? What's the therefore for? Huh? What is it there for? Mm? Beware of false teachers. Check out the fruit. Uh, watch out for those who casting out demons and all this other stuff and don't even know the Lord. And I find that to be deep. See, you won't know what's in my heart until we get to heaven. You won't really know what my motives were for standing here until we stand before God one day. And then you'll be like, dang, I followed that dude. Ain't that deep. And I'm okay with being okay. I'm okay with being average in man's eyes. But boy, I got a treasure chest in heaven. And I want to tell you something. <laughs> Matter of fact, they just wheeled in another one because my first five is full. Y'all ain't trying to hear me. And I'm storing up treasures. Okay? Listen, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. Okay? Listen, if you want to go up in the kingdom, you got to stay low. That's the only way to go up. And God will elevate you, not before man, but before him. Watch this. Watch what he says. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the what? On the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. So oftentimes when we accept Christ, we think that, oh, God has a wonderful plan for your life. 
Everything's going to be great. No, right now you in the storm, baby. And listen, that stuff is slamming against your house. But the beautiful thing about it is the one who hears the word and applies the word, he is a man or woman who, who what? Who's built their life on the rock. Petros, not Petra. <laughs> Petros is a boulder, Petra, and, and you are Peter. And upon what? This boulder I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Watch this. He says, and the floods came. Winds blew, slammed against this house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded. My question to you tonight is, what has your Christian life been founded upon? Is it the gospel? Because if it is, you will last, come what may. Rain, storms, throw whatever the devil throws at you. In the end, when, when the dust settles and the rain has subsided in your life, and when you look around and you see destruction all around you, and you're the only one standing. Oh, I wish I had somebody. You're the only one standing. You know why? Listen, God has to take you through things to prove that you're standing, to prove to you, not to him, to prove to you that you're still standing on the rock. God has to allow things to happen to test the foundation of your life. Come on, somebody. God has to allow things to prove that you're wind ready. Come on, somebody. That you're hurricane ready. Why? Because stuff will happen. And when those stuff happen as a believer, you're not going to gripe. You're not going to complain. You're not going to blame God for what's going wrong. Because your life, your faith has been founded upon the rock. Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Look what he says. He says, and everyone who hears these words of mine. But how do you build on this rock? How do you build this kind of foundation? Very simple. Right here. Back up from right here. Verse, verse, verse 24. It's right there. How do you do this? You act upon what you're hearing. Don't just come to church and say, hey man, thank you Jesus. You took all these notes and then when you leave here, you don't act on it. You don't act on it. See, we, we are so subjective <laughs> that we miss until we start applying this thing, we're standing on sand. Look at verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like what? And what kind of man? Notice the Bible didn't call us what? Dumb. He calls us what? Foolish. Amen. Amen. It's foolish to come to church every week 
You know why I preach in series? Because I already know. From the last message, you didn't get it. <laughs> so, I, so, so <laughs> that's why I preach in series. I already know. If I was all over the place, you'd be all, you'd be schizophrenic spiritually. <laughs> trying to figure out, that's why I stay in the series systematically so you can get this one lesson. I promise you, if I came, listen, if, if, if I came here tonight, right, and I taught what I taught two weeks ago, you wouldn't have known. You wouldn't know. Some of you wouldn't know. <laughs> It'd be all new to you, like, oh, yeah, wow, that's new. Wow, that's new revelation. Man, I said that last week, two weeks ago. <laughs> See, this is what I mean about about remembering. It's not just remembering what God's done for you, but remembering the word you receive every week. And then acting on it. I'm trying to give you the dynamics here of a true convert so you can evaluate, do some self-evaluation. Let me do this. He says what? Verse 26. 726, right? I want to I want to look up this word for you. I want to look up this word to act on the word. Poyai. That word means to accomplish it. Uh, to bring it forth, to bring it to pass. It means to commit to even consider, watch this, what you're doing. <laughs> Isn't that something? To consider what you're doing. Listen, the word means to produce something tangible, to complete it. He says, so the, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And it what? It fell. And great was, it, was its fall. You know, you know let me say this. When, when, when believers come into church and I see that they accept Christ, they go through about seven months, eight months, nine months, a year, and then all of a sudden, they, that when that, around that second year, it takes two years to make a disciple, by the way, but 18 months in, that's when I really start seeing what's going on. See, the Bible says, know well the condition of your flock. Okay, so, so watch this. And then all of a sudden, the big one comes. Big thing comes and slams against them. And guess what? Then I can tell whether or not their house was built. You could say, Pastor, I love this church. I love the word. But God allows trials in all of our lives, including me, to prove whether or not we were built on the right foundation. Amen? The what kind of foundation? The right foundation. Now, let's do this real quick. The fruit of gratitude. 
I got three minutes. Fruit of gratitude. First Thessalonians chapter five. So now you understand fruit. You know what to look for. See, I'm just trying to help you. That's all I'm trying to do. See, because everybody that say, Lord, Lord, ain't gone. Mm -mm. And they're the ones that's really convincing, you know. Oh, man, they have you. God, oh, yeah, God loves you. Oh, yeah, you. God has anointing on your life. First, first Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, what does it say? Back up to verse 15. When, when does it say to rejoice? When? Oh, so even when you're having a real bad day, huh? No, I, no, I deserve to be like, no, no. It says rejoice always. Now, everyone who acts upon my word, right, will rejoice what? Go ahead. In what? In, in everything. Give what? Thanks. Why? Why is the fruit of gratitude an important piece to the believer's life? Because of the next phrase. For this is what? Do you think that God wants you walking around with your head hung low every day? Upset? Confused? Can I ask you a question? What can you do about the things you can't change anyway? So what are you all upset about? He says rejoice. Man, I wish, I wish we had a group of people, man. That when they, you know, when Deacon Heard walked through those doors of the church last Wednesday night, yeah. Friday night, was it Wednesday night? I don't know what night he walked into. Man, I, I was like, man, man, that's, why can't, what could be so bad? <laughs> what could it be? Listen, if you're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, man, listen, stop allowing stuff that you can't change to, to dictate the joy that you possess. Because part of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So if you say, I have nothing to rejoice about. People leave church, husband and wife. They pick right back up with the bitterness when they, came from, when they leave church. They pick it right back up. Come on, man. Could it be that bad? Could it be that difficult? He says, man, I'm grateful to be saved. 20-something years and I still, this morning, I was weeping before the Lord because I was, Lord, I am just so grateful that you saved, that you saved me. Because I'm not going to be one that say, Lord, Lord, 
and you say to me, I don't know you, Derek. I ain't taking that chance, man. I ain't taking that chance. I'm not taking that chance. I could be doing something, I could be in the computers or something. I could be doing something totally different than this. <laughs> okay? I'm telling you right now, I would rather sit down somewhere. I know I'm cold. Okay? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. He says, this is the will. So, so hold on a minute. 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 Our Father. I asked a question earlier, right? Who art in heaven? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy. What is the will of God for every believer? This you means believer. What is the will of God? That you be a grateful person, man. That you pause every so often throughout your day and stop complaining about what you don't have and start saying, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Listen, some of us, listen, some of us, so blessed, but we're so focused on the negative aspect of things that we cannot pause for a few moments to say thank you. What is the will? And you know why? You know why we can't see more from God? Because we're not operating in the will of God. And when you're not operating in the will of God, you will not see your way out. Pastor, what is the will of God for me? You're already saved. To be grateful, to be thankful, to say thank you. He says, this is the will of God. That what? That in everything, that everything is very important. Everything. Romans 8.28. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Can I say this to you? Don't be a believer that sits in church for years and years and years and years and years and years and you stay the same. Amen? Amen? I only got the one. I ain't got no more minutes on my phone. It's over. Amen. So tonight, shit, I took a turn there with the fruit thing, but you know what he says after that? You gotta, you gotta look at verse nineteen. Let's look at verse nineteen. Let's, let's look at verse nineteen. What does verse nineteen say, y'all? What's the verse? What does verse nineteen say? <laughs> so you're telling me that if I walk around not rejoicing, not being grateful. That I'm quenching the spirit? Yes, I'm saying that because that's what the Bible says. What does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? 
Let me tell you what it means to quench the Holy Spirit. To go against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, do you know what the Holy Spirit is? Does anybody know what those of you that know, don't say it. How many don't know where the Holy Spirit is? In, in, where, where is the Holy Spirit now? He's in you. So you're telling me you have the third person of the Trinity living in you, but you're still upset and mad and complaining about all kinds of stuff. How is it that you keep quenching the Holy Spirit? That's probably why maybe you're not spiritual. So you're telling me for me not to be grateful is to quench the spirit? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. When you're not rejoicing, you're quenching the spirit. When you go to quench him means to literally suppress him. Now you know the Holy Spirit is a he. And he has a personality. He has a will. When I when I get into when I get into uh, carnal Christian versus spiritual Christian, we're going to get into that. But watch this, watch this. To quench him means that you're doing the opposite. You're going against the will of God. Matter of fact, you're going against the will of God if you don't say thank you tonight. Some of you kids say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And said thank you in a long time. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to stay in your will, God. Thank you. What is the will of God for you? To be what? Grateful. To not walk around like you lost your best friend. Seriously, like, I'm grateful, God, for what you've done for me. That's a true convert, man. A true converts really want to live in the will of God. Amen. Thank you tonight, amen, for God's word. Anyone here tonight, amen, to God be the glory.